rise and shine. Rise and shine, chop chop. Rise and shine. Rise and shine, it's a beautiful day. Rise and shine, rise and shine. Rise and shine. Rise and shine. You guys are nerds. This is exactly what the nerds want. Our name shall become legend. Spoken in hushed tones by nerds across the galaxy. If you build it, nerds will come. Nerds must love this place. They think we're a bunch of nerds, and I'll tell you something. I think they're right. Let, let the nerds take over. Let the nerds take over! As and shine, nerds, grab your coffee, wipe the sleep from your eyes, and turn up the volume as we help kick off your day with Love Thy Nerds, official morning show here on YouTube and LTN Radio. I'm Radio Matt. I'm the director of content and resources for Love Thy Nerd. And I'm Deidre, and my phasers are set to stunning. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we are celebrating Star Trek, boldly going where, well, they've already gone. Today, we're <laughs> focusing on the movies of Star Trek, from Kirk to Picard to Kirk again. <laughs> but first, we got a few stories. Oh, I'm reading your line. But first, we've got a few stories today in Rise and Shine, Nerds News. This is our SNN. <laughs> Let's talk about Amazon reviews. Uh, Amazon is rolling out a generative AI feature that will summarize product reviews. This comes from AP News. Uh, it says the feature, which the company began testing earlier this year, is designed to help shoppers determine at a glance what other customers said about a product before they spend time reading through possibly thousands of right. individual reviews. Right, right. It will pick out common themes and summarize them in a short paragraph on the product detail page. The company wrote in a blog post published uh, Monday that the AI-generated reviews are now available to a subset of mobile shoppers in the U.S. across a broad selection of products, and it may be expanded to more shoppers and additional categories of products in the coming months based on customer feedback. Uh, Amazon Director of Community Shopping, Vaughn Shermerhorn, <laughs> this is said all of this, the Seattle-based company has been looking for ways to integrate more artificial intelligence into its product offerings as generative AI race heats up among tech companies. Uh, I'm all for this, right? Yeah, I just... Uh, sometimes the translating doesn't go well and so i'm curious if it's gonna like what if what if someone says you know this was not good and all it's saying is good <laughs> it's like summarizing the wrong thing you know <laughs> one reviewer said quote unquote good right. in their review <laughs> <laughs> just uh just making sure your robot actually knows how to read and and do it because you know sometimes you'll get those um replies those uh suggested replies to someone's question and it's like not even close it's like that's that's not what that reply doesn't make sense to this statement so i would just be like doubting yeah i would want to read the real thing right like well <laughs> like i would believe it if it said people hated this product but if people love the product, then I'd be like, well, let me double check. And read all this. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> like one user said, uh, I haven't say, tried it yet. What if they say, I hate <laughs> to let this go. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> I just, there's so many, there's so many reviews that are like, haven't opened it or tried it yet, but we'll see. 
Like, oh, why are you reviewing right, now? You right. review when you've done the product. You use the product. Yeah. You don't review beforehand. If it's asking you and you haven't done it yet, you say maybe later. You don't say, okay, I guess I have to do it now. Yeah. What's your problem? <clears throat> but the one thing that I would need from this is I would need them to be able to tell the difference between real and fake reviews. Ooh. Because fake reviews mm-hmm. have been on the rise on Amazon lately. Yeah. Uh, I watched a whole video about how the guy actually figured out how they're doing it. And it's like there's a there are companies in other countries or whatever that actually like buy a product from the company or the product and mm-hmm. then ship it somewhere else. And they're able to use that one purchase, which they ship it to like a random person. They're able to use that purchase and uh verify their review mm. somehow like they have some backdoor way but they have to make at least a purchase and then they can sneak in like a hundred reviews from a bunch of different accounts that they have and they'll all come up as from that verified. one verified yeah. purchase yeah so that's terrifying they gotta close that hole close that loophole yeah uh or fix the fake reviews or be able to tell them mm-hmm. apart mm-hmm. <clears throat> but uh i'm 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 for it i'm for the idea it's just if they can execute it well. Uh, Ukulele for Worship says there are some products that send a card in the box telling you to send them a screenshot of your review to receive cash back via PayPal or something. If you report them to Amazon customer service, they will take down the seller. Interesting. Yeah, they're not supposed to. You're not supposed to. to you're sp- they're allowed to say, leave us a review. Mm-hmm. They're not allowed to say, leave us a five-star review. They're definitely not allowed to say, uh... Leave us a review and we'll give you money back. <laughs> a good review and we'll leave you money back. That's for sure. <clears throat> yeah. It's supposed to be unbiased. It is. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Nielsen ratings. You're not allowed to do those anymore, right? Are those the things that are between the ages of 18 and 35? <laughs> oh, look at you. Hitting me right in the heart. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think they'll send them to me anymore. Uh, so, <laughs> television accounts, I'm sorry, television accounts for less than half of the U.S. viewing time for the first time ever. Uh, powered by shows like Suits on Netflix, streaming share of U.S. viewing time grew to a new high in July, while television viewing fell below 50% for the first time, according to Nielsen data. Uh, so this is from the Wall Street Journal. It says the milestone is the latest uh, sign of the rapid erosion of cable TV bundling, which has lost about a quarter of its subscribers over the past decade, as more Americans cut the cord in favor of streaming services like Netflix, Google's YouTube, and Disney's Hulu. Cable television accounted for 29.6% of total U.S. viewing time in July, while broadcasts attracted 20%, Nielsen said in the release published Tuesday. Streaming services, meanwhile, captured 38.7% of America's viewing time, while, with the, while a category labeled Other, which Nielsen says includes usage such as DVD, playback, and gaming, accounts for the remaining 11.6%. The growth of streaming platforms at the expense of cable and broadcast TV networks has accelerated in recent years as most entertainment conglomerates introduced their own direct-to-consumer services to take it uh, on industry leader Netflix as they sought to rapidly 
rapidly grow their subscriber bases, many of them chose to make their highest profile and costliest content available exclusively on streaming. While original content helps reel in subscribers and build streaming brands, the most watched programs are sometimes older TV shows. Last month, the show Americans spent most time watching was Suits, a legal drama starring Meghan Markle made for cable TV that made its debut about, uh, more than a decade ago. Um, this is kind of what we talked about when we were talking about the writer's strike last week. Uh, mm -hmm. One of the things I got mm -hmm. against them is a lot of people are just watching nostalgic stuff right stuff that they've already watched or stuff that came out a long time ago that they never got a chance to watch mm -hmm. or um mm -hmm. yeah like i didn't start watching breaking bad uh until it was in its last season just because it was on netflix hmm. like we're like oh okay i'll give it a try and yeah. then that's how i got into it i didn't see it on amc right i didn't watch it on tv right that's how most people are watching right. their stuff yep <clears throat> um do you remember back in the good old days when uh, we were watching The Office and Smallville mm -hmm. live, and if both of us were working, we'd set our little recording VHS. We went and bought a, <laughs> a, a, a VCR. I didn't even remember what they were called. A VCR from VCR, yeah. uh, like a Savers thrift store uh -huh. thing where people bring in their junk and sell it there. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so we could record it <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> like old like, old timey people. Yeah. <clears throat> Cause we weren't paying for cable and recording all that. That's when like TiVos and stuff were, yeah. were popular yeah. for recording, but we'd, we be, did, poor. we'd be poor. <laughs> we didn't we have poor newlyweds <laughs> living in a, a teeny tiny apartment <laughs> in a town far away from our parents. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. That was Smallville. We've been doing, We've been waiting for the season to be over and then buying the DVDs. Mm -hmm. And it was like the last season, season 10, you're like, I really want to watch it along with the world. Can we please <laughs> just watch it as it comes? <laughs> and so I think we were always, almost always working. Like we always had to Probably. tape it, I feel like. I worked retail, so that meant night. <laughs> yeah. But uh, and I worked in a re uh, restaurant, so mm -hmm. I also worked nights. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> we did a few of those Nielsen rating. Well, I did a few of those Nielsen rating things uh, several years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the last one I did was just after we moved into our current house, uh, and it was the it was empty. <laughs> like you're supposed to track what channels you watch and when for how long, uh -huh. and then. Like at the bottom, it has, if you didn't watch any TV show, but you watched streaming services or whatever, just check this box. But it didn't give you like a time. It's just like, check this. And so like my whole planner thing was completely empty and I mailed it back. <laughs> it's just all, all streaming. Wow. <laughs> and so. And that's probably why it was the last one you got, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. they're like, like oh, okay, well, we this lost guy doesn't this guy. Watch, this guy doesn't watch TV anymore. <laughs> Hey, I made 10 bucks. So uh, let's, let's talk about online subscriptions. Not necessarily Netflix, but things of that nature. Forgetting to cancel subscriptions boosts businesses' revenue by 200%. I could see that. Subscription-based models dominate daily life and businesses profit from forgetting subscription payments. The problem of forgotten subscriptions is so large that there's now a robust ecosystem of startups promising to save users money by ferreting out and canceling the subscriptions they forgot about. Uh, this comes from fortune.com. Uh, researchers have put a number of high value 
uh, I'm sorry, put a number on the high value of customer inertia. Buyers and attention can boost a business's revenue as much as 200%, according to a new working paper from researchers at Stanford and Texas A&M, submitted to the National Bureau of Economic Research. Uh, I knew that people forgot to cancel, said co-author Neil Mahoney, an economics professor at Stanford. The magnitude, the pervasiveness of the issue was surprising. Mahoney, along with a few Stanford economics uh, professors, less, this looks like a Star Trek name, <laughs> Liron Elnav and Benjamin Klopak, <laughs> <laughs> an assistant professor of economics at Texas A&M, calculated the cost uh, or to companies the benefit. The inattention, inattention by zeroing in on specific moments uh, in purchasers' lives, replacing a credit card. Uh, using a large data set from undisclosed payment system provider, the researchers first identified 10 common subscription services and then looked at how frequently they were renewed during the normal times and when the subscriber replaced a card, forcing them to update their payment information with each service. Renewals sharply dropped off after these card replacements, even as other shopping behaviors, such as buying groceries and gas, continued normally, leading them to the conclusion when people had to actively decide to resubscribe to a service and enter new payment information, many opted out. Mm-hmm. So it's saying that this, is, this was proving that people were paying for this for a while mm-hmm. without realizing it until they're like, oh, my card's expired. Well, I'm not re-upping that, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, because I mean, it's um, it's human nature. Yeah, I we we, we, we were doing mention? our budget. Yeah, mm-hmm. we were doing mm-hmm. our budget, and uh, <laughs> over the years when things were tight, but I was starting a new subscription as something that we needed either for work or for just fun. Uh-huh. Half the time I would put it on our credit card because we're like, even if we run out of money when that bill comes in, which I'm not great at keeping track of when they're going to come in. I know it's not going to, you know, put us in the red in our bank account because it's going to go to the credit card. Mm -hmm. Now we've gotten to the point where we're pretty good with money in our bank account and we're trying to get rid of all of our debt. And every month since we've started trying the last couple months to uh, pay it all the way down, it's still kind of going up. Like we pay it down a little bit and then it kind of goes back up and we're like, what the heck's going on? So I had to go in there and look for every single subscription (laughs) that I could find and either move it or cancel it. And we wound up canceling about half of them Mm -hmm. going Mm -hmm. like, it wasn't so much stuff that I forgot about, but it's just like stuff that I hadn't thought about. Right. Do I need this? Yeah. Do we need to be paying this every month? If I canceled it, would I even notice? Right. (laughs) Exactly that. And so like it's, it's human nature. It's, Mm -hmm. it's the same thing. You know, it's, it's the gift card mindset Mm -hmm. and that's how companies are making money too. Gift cards have always made more money than we get to utilize as people because people almost never use the whole gift card and a lot more people than you think never use the gift card, but they already got your money. Or you gave them money for the gift card for $20 and you gave it to the person. That person may have never wanted to shop at that store, but now they've got $20, but they go in and they find something for 50. Mm -hmm. So now they've gotten your 20 and they're 30 Mm-hmm. You know, so I understand. Yeah, that's that's a big cool too. And, and I appreciate that they never expire. Mm, some do. 
okay. <laughs> most of them don't, well, but some do. Yeah, most retail stores, at least. Yeah. Um, and you can tell that that's working for them because mm-hmm. there are a lot of these retailers and companies or restaurants or whatever that usually around Christmas time will be like, hey, come buy a $20 gift card or a $30 gift card and we'll give you a $10 gift card for mm-hmm. free for mm-hmm. you to keep. They're they're eating $10 on every single one of those sales and they're still going to be making money off of right. it. Right, right. And so that tells you just how good those are running. Mm-hmm. So yeah, subscription services are... I am just everywhere now too. Horrified by the amount of money I let go to the gym. <laughs> we even got the the good one, the good gym that was that you could kind of cancel yeah. at any time. I mean, it had to be like a did. year, a year of not going it. to the gym, and I was like, okay, fine, admit don't it to love, yourself. Don't you love going to the gym? You're never going to go, month. and you've been paying them for twelve months to not go. And now you feel guilty and you didn't go to the gym. So just cancel it. <laughs> We've done that twice. The first time, though, was like that traditional gym thing where, like, you have to pay for a year. Oh, yeah. Like, you could that. not get out of it. Yeah. So it's like, well. Big commitment. So yeah. glad that we went. It's an aspirational subscription. <laughs> Great. You're just like, yeah, I have a gym member. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Felt so good those few times that we went. And then it's like, you know what? Nah. Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I went faithfully before I had kids, but now I'm like. You went faithfully for a little while, but it wasn't like a year. No, when we were in Albuquerque. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. We did that a little while. Still wasn't very long. Because we moved. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <clears throat> what do you want from me here? Tell the truth. <clears throat> We're going to stop right there and take our first break. But when we come back, our oh, di- no, when, when, oh. when we come back, uh, we got a, another. Uh, wow. Did I, just not, I just didn't change this at all. Uh, <clears throat> when we come back, we've got another. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for. <laughs> Thanks for the subscription. Even right though we don't know what we're just doing. Fumbling mess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just hold on. Recenter. <clears throat> Give me just one second. I'm going to scroll up to what I said last time, just so I don't have to try and read it. When we come back, we put our Star Trek knowledge to the test. Stick around. Hey fam, this is Hector Mirai, and you're listening to Faith and Vandom 180 on LTN Radio. So Saturday I was set up at a Comic-Con, and literally as soon as the show started, I felt absolutely terrible. I had a double ear infection percolating, uh, my throat was starting to swell, I had no energy, and I was in for like a eight-hour day of trying to be myself and talk to people and be light and share the gospel and do all this stuff. And I was struggle bussing. And I thought I was putting on a pretty brave face in the process, but apparently I absolutely failed at this prospect. Um, Some folks that were frequent vendors and visitors uh, and came by my booth and said, Hey, are you okay? 
you, you doing all right? And people wanted to know, make sure I was good. And there was, you know, one couple that stopped by the booth and asked if there's anything they could do for me. And it's like, no, I'm okay. And they said, can we pray for you? And literally, uh, that was so refreshing to have somebody just stop and pray over me at my booth and pray over my mental and physical well-being because I was really struggling. And uh, then a little bit later, one of the other vendors uh, stopped by and they brought me a Snorlax button. They said, we saw that you weren't doing so great. Wanted to bring this by and just, you know, be a blessing. And it was just really encouraging that people saw I was struggling and went out of their way when they didn't have to to try and be an encouragement and it's the exemplification of a uh, proverbs 11:25. whoever brings blessings will be enriched and one who waters will himself be watered and i feel like i try often to be that but that day those people were 100 percent that to me and their bit of encouragement, their bit of joy, their bit of grace helped me get through a really, really hard day. And I truly pray and I thank God for sending them the way he did. And I hope God truly blesses their pants off or whatever apparel they're wearing politely. If you'd like to learn more about Faith and Fandom, head on over to faithandfandom.org where you can learn about our Comic-Con ministry, podcast memes apparel and book series you can even read new chapters before they make it to the next book i'm hector mirai and thank you for spending the last 180 seconds with me and shine nerds ltn's official morning show here on youtube and ltn radio on ltn radio you can catch the audio show first at 8 a.m eastern with an encore at 10 a.m intermixed with the best christian rock rap pop and indie since our focus this week is on star trek a world daedra and i both love and yesterday we put ourselves to the test uh today we are going to be putting daedra to the test again since she won yesterday Yes, that's right. Uh, and she's <laughs> she's going to be going head to head with one of our Discord shinies. We got Grafen. Uh, we'll we'll explain the game later. Let's go ahead and introduce Grafen. Grafen, how are you doing this morning? Howdy, doing great. Uh, Looking forward to some Star Trek trivia. Yeah. So Grafen uh, is the husband of Ky Redhead, which many of our listeners are very familiar with, and. Uh, this morning, we're going to do the exact same kind of quiz as yesterday, but all new questions. Uh, and so each question has four multiple choice options, and you have to make your best guess. If you get it wrong, you get an X, and then you have to guess again until you get it right, meaning that each question, you have the possibility of accumulating three Xs, and we're going by golf rules, so least amount of Xs by the end wins. Uh, yesterday, we did it in a like you do the 10 and then i'll do the 10 but i'm mm -hmm. gonna go back and forth between you two this time okay all right Alrighty. that sound good okay <laughs> uh, all right uh, on. i will <laughs> <laughs> i will start with daedra uh i've been told recently that i'm competitive and i didn't think i was <laughs> but apparently i am 
<laughs> until, you, until you just said that you were going to wipe the floor with him a few seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Deidre, first question. What weapon did Kirk and Spock use when they fought for possession of T'Pring during Spock's Ponfar ritual in Amok Time? Oh my goodness. Was it the Mekleth, the Kabar, the Lerpa, or the Mort- Mortaze? I don't know what any of those things are. <laughs> We're going to go with the Kabar. Ooh, 1X. Mekleth? Dang Not it. A <laughs> Lerpa? <laughs> Alerpa is a Vulcan weapon consisting of a wooden staff a little over a meter in length with a semicircular blade at one end and a metal bludgeon on the other. All right. All right, that's two X's. Mm. Start with you there. Oh. All right, Grafen. Who was, who was originally cast as Captain Janeway? Was it Judy Dench, oh, wow. Genevieve Bajold, Catherine Deneuve, Deneuve, D-E-N-E-U-V-E. I don't know how to pronounce that. Or Sophia Loren. <laughs> wow. Okay. So this definitely hits a hole in my in my knowledge. Um, I just I just cho- sometimes I choose to forget that Voyager ever existed. That's all. Yeah. Um, wow. <laughs> uh, let's let's go with uh, Deneuve. Uh, nope. Judy Dench, no. Genevieve Bejeweled, or Sophia Loren? Let's go with Genevieve. I've never heard of her either. Correct. Oh. Genevieve Bejeweled uh, okay. was originally cast okay. as Captain Janeway. She dropped out on the second day of filming. I have seen the first Walked episode out. with her. Really? Yeah, I did not. I wasn't a fan. <laughs> she was more. She was more like super serious and like mm. you know Janeway would show her emotion. And I like Did you do that. it in the first one? I don't remember. All right. Daedra, your second question. Okay. Which of these following species is <laughs> just intelligent turtles? <laughs> is it Katarians and Ardenans, Rigelians, or Betazoids? It's not Betazoids. Not Betazoids. Intelligent turtle. Let's go with Rigelians. Rigelians? Hey. Wow. The Rigelians <laughs> nice. were a species of intelligent turtle. According to information obtained by Dr. Phlox, they are believed to have four or five genders. Okay. Uh, all right, Grafen. If, all right. If Edith Keeler doesn't die in The City on the Edge of Forever, what will happen? The timeline will unravel. Captain Kirk won't be born. A virus will wipe out humanity. Or the Nazis will rule the world. I know this one. I believe that was the Nazis would rule the world. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> Keeler was supposed to die in an accident that was prevented by McCoy when he stumbled through the time mm-hmm. portal. Instead, Keeler started a pacifist movement calling the United States to delay its entry into World War II, allowing Nazi Germany mm-hmm. enough time to develop a nuclear weapon and win the war. In order to undo the damage to the timeline, she has to die. What a good story that was. That's one of the few that yeah. I really remember. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, good job. So uh, no X's for either of you that round. Daedra, which character serves as the head of security for the space station, Deep Space Nine? 
That's, that's an easy one. Odo. Odo is a member of shapeshifting race called the Changelings. He uses unique abilities to maintain security on DS9 and later aids the Bajoran people and the Federation throughout the Dominion War against his own people, the Founders. Uh, Grafen, who created the Bajoran wormhole? Was it the Founders, the Prophets, the Archons, or the Elders? Ooh. Oh, wow. It's been a while since I've watched Deep Space Nine. I started it recently, but I didn't get very far. Um, uh, uh, I'm going to go with the Founders, but I'm not positive on that one. Ooh, not the Founders. So we have the Prophets, the Archons, and the Elders. Okay, let's go with the Prophets. Correct. Ben okay. Francisco and Jad, Jad uh, Thank you. Are the first <laughs> to make contact with the wormhole and its creators, non-corporal beings known as the prophets. It is they who provided orb-like energy artifacts to the Bajorans that became the basis for the Bajoran religion. Yes. Okay. All right. So y'all are both tied up with two X's. Ooh. Neither of you are doing bad. <laughs> All right. Daedra. What type of weapons technology does a phaser use? Is it plasma, antimatter, particle beam, or zero point energy? (laughs) (laughs) Plasma, antimatter, particle beam, or zero point energy? I'm thinking. I would say plasma, (laughs) particle beam. Correct. Phases are common. Particle beam weapons first seen in the original series. All right, Grafen, in Star Trek Uh Nemesis, the movie, what did Uh Shinzon, which is Picard's evil clone, use to assassinate the entire Romulan Senate? Was it acetone assimilators, trilithium resin, cobalt, cobalt, deselenide, or thalaron radiation good night good luck with this one oh, wow okay i know it's one of the last two but i'm trying to think if the thalaron radiation was from that one or if what was the the i think it was the previous movie insurrection where they had the planet where they lived forever maybe that was thalaron radiation mm. um what was the what was the third option? Cobalt deselenide. Hmm. Deselenide. Well, let's go with the cobalt deselenide. Ooh. Nope. Ah. Uh, okay. We'll go for option four then. Thalanon radiation. Thalaron okay. radiation. Okay. Even in small amount, uh, petrifies living tissue almost instantly. Its properties allow range and area of effect to be precisely controlled from encompassing a single room to engulfing an entire planet. <laughs> Sheesh, Lou. All right. So that's one more X for you. And did you get one more X too? Yeah, you did. Both of you mm-hmm. got one more X. Mm-hmm. All right. Keeping it. Keeping up. (laughs) Daedra, what species known as... I'm sorry. There we go. What species known to the Borg as species 329 were deemed unworthy of assimilation? The Tholians, the Klingons, the Organians, or the Kazons? 
Um, I'm trying to like remember if I've seen a Kazon Borg. They so the you, K- how would you know they're well like a Klingon physically distinctive Borg either. <laughs> no, I would. I'm gonna say it's either the Tholian or the Organian because the Kazon weren't where the Borg were, right? Give me an answer. Uh, no, no, that's where the Borg. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Ooh. Let's that go. Be. Let's go. Come on. Tho- tho- Tholian? Tholian. Oh. It's going to be the Kazon. Correct. Dang it. <laughs> okay, so, so one X for you. Kazon, uh, an aggressive warrior species from the Delta Quadrant, were divided into 18 different sects. Each sect had possession of different natural resources over which the sects fought each other, mm-hmm. but were deemed unworthy for assimilation. But... <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Grazon. Great. Grazon. <laughs> Grafen. <laughs> There's your Star Trek in name. In Mirror Mirror. <laughs> Uh, what has replaced the United Federation of Planets? This is that alternate mirror reality. Is it the Klingon-Cardassian Alliance, the Dominion, the Romulan Empire, or the Terran Empire? The Terran Empire. Correct. Federation has been replaced by the brutal Terran Empire, in which officers ascend in rank by assassinating their superiors. Uniforms are more <laughs> revealing. Sidearms are standard issue, as well as daggers for officers. And senior officers routinely torture subordinates. Sounds like a wonderful place. All right, we are halfway done with this quiz. And as we stand right now, Danger, you have four X's and Grafen has three Ooh. Deidre, you're losing. <laughs> All right. Deidre, what was Majel Barrett's first role on Star Trek? Who the heck is that? Was it Imrus? Was it Loxawana Troy? Was it number one? Or was it Nurse Chapel? I'll give you a little bit of a clue on this one. She's played all of these characters. Okay. <laughs> but which one was the first? Which one was the first? <laughs> So this is the lady that's the voice of the computer. That is correct. Okay. Gene Juan Roddenberry's eventual wife. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go. So I know it's not Troy because I'm pretty sure she would have been in the first original series. Right. Um, I'll go with Emrys. Emrys. Incorrect. Nurse Chapel. Dang Incorrect. It. Number one. No, it's going to be. Okay. It's number I was one. Like, oh. Yeah, that was in the pilot. Michelle Barrett, who wow. would later marry Gene Roddenberry, made her Star Trek debut in The Cage, the Roddenberry's original pirate. Pirate? Pilot. She played number one, Captain Pike's unnamed first officer. So it's the same character wow. from Strange New Worlds that you've seen. Uh-huh. Uh, Captain Pike's uh, unnamed first officer. She would later play Nurse Chapel in the original series, Loxwana Troy in TNG, and Imrus in the animated series. Oh. Uh, as well as the voice of the ship's computer in multiple incarnations of the series. She's <laughs> all over Star Trek, y'all. Yep. <laughs> Alright, Grayfin. Oh, wait. Huh? I need to make sure I get Dangerous 2 X's on the board oh, here. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> Don't want to forget those. All right, Graven. <laughs> what type of fish does Captain Picard keep in his ready room? Mm. Is it a sucker mouth catfish, a clownfish, a lionfish, or a classic goldfish? 
think it's a lionfish. Agree. Correct. Livingston was a lionfish kept by Jean-Luc Picard in his ready room aboard the Enterprise D. I did not know he had a name. For the duration of the ship's existence, the fish has its own trading card in the Star Trek TNG card series. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I didn't remember his name either, but Livingston. That's fantastic. Daedra, what Star Trek the Next Generation prop was designed using an automotive air filter and a hairband? Was it the Positronic Brain? Jordy's Visor. Jordy's Visor. A Warp Core or a Rysican Flute? You say Jordy's Visor. Correct. <laughs> Automotive air filter and a hairband. That's crazy. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Grafen, uh, once again in Mirror Mirror, what weapon does Kirk keep concealed in his quarters? Is it a Metreon Cascade? A Tantalus Field? An Acetone Assimilator? Or a Trilithium Resin? Wow, it's been way too long since I've seen that episode. <laughs> um, okay, read the options again. Metreon Cascade, Tantalus Field, Acetone Assimilator, Trilithium Resin. This is going to be a total guess. Let's go with Tantalus Field. Tantalus Field. Wow. Correct. <laughs> that just sounded like something Roddenberry would come up with. <laughs> 23rd century device found aboard the ISS Enterprise in the Mirror Universe, which could be used to monitor and eliminate enemies from existence with a touch of a button. Wow. Okay. Uh, you're doing really good. Mm -hmm. Daedra? Not doing so good. Let's keep it going. Which of the following characters was trapped in a transporter buffer for 75 years? Was it, right in Leonard, was it Leonard McCoy, Montgomery Scott, James T. Kirk, or uh, Hakuru Sulu? This is a dangerous question. He's trapped in a transporter buffer for 75 years. Let's go with Kirk. That sounds like something they do to Kirk, Aww. but it's not him. <laughs> <laughs> Leonard McCoy, Montgomery Scott, Hikuru Sulu. Leonard McCoy. Maybe I wow. thought maybe that was why he didn't like Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> Got stuck in there for 75 years. Fuck. Okay. <sighs> Montgomery Sulu? Scott or Sulu. Ah. Wow. It was wow. Montgomery Scott. In Relics, the crew of the USS Enterprise D discovers Montgomery Scott alive in a transporter buffer while investigating the 75-year-old wreck of a Federation transport vessel. Wow. Jeez, oh, that was a great episode. I don't remember that one. Mm -mm. Yeah. That's crazy. Okay. I'm going to have to go watch that one again. It's been a long time since I've seen uh, The Next Generation. All right. Um, Graf Grafen. What original Star Trek actor appeared in the pilot episode of The Next Generation? Leonard Nimoy, DeForest Kelly, William Shatner, or Nichelle Nichols? DeForest Kelly. Correct. Appeared as a 137-year-old Leonard McCoy <laughs> encounter at Farpoint. Uh, he inspects Enterprise D and tells Data, you treat her like a lady, and she'll always bring you home. <laughs> All right, Daedra, which character asks Data if he is fully functional? Is it Deanna Troy, Tasha Yar, Captain Picard, or Beverly Crusher? Tasha Yar. <laughs> We all wasn't know that this, uncomfortable wasn't episode. This the second episode. Uh -huh. 
Like it was really quick. It was, it was really early. Yeah. yeah it was the super naked early, now you know? Tasha Yar <laughs> asked Dave if he's fully functional. He replies he is not only functional in every way, but also programmed in multiple techniques. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, wow. Goodness. Okay, Graven. <laughs> ukulele for ukulele for worship says it was the question we all needed answered (laughs) (laughs) graven who was the first kelpian to enter starfleet uh was it ash shazad or shazad i don't know how to pronounce it call or saru saru i did see that i haven't seen the last season of discovery but Wow. wow. Starfleet science officer and lieutenant commander in the USS Shinzu. Shinzu, I think it's how it's pronounced. Saru is Kelpian, an alien prey species that have biologically evolved the ability to sense threats. Uh, okay, 39. Last questions for both of you here. I'm definitely losing. <laughs> Daedra. <laughs> what were the last words of the last episode of Star Trek, the original series? Scotty, beam us up. If only anything is possible or engage. <laughs> I don't know. Scotty, beam us up. Dang it. If only. <laughs> the final episode of the original series deals with gender inequality. A bitter woman steals Captain Kirk's body in order to take command of the Enterprise, an opportunity that she feels has been unfairly denied her. Kirk's last words are, her life could have been as rich as any woman's, if only, if only. (laughs) And that was the end. (laughs) (sighs) All right. So that was how many more X's? Just one more? Okay. Solid 10 X's for you. Let's see if Grafen can beat that. Uh, (laughs) Who was originally offered the role of Spock? Was it Dustin Hoffman, DeForest Kelly, Roger Moore, or Martin Landau? Wow. Um, Let's go with Martin Landau. Correct. Wow. <laughs> Martin Landau was originally offered the role of Spock, but declined later to Leonard Nimoy, who did accept the part, took over the role of the disguise expert on Mission Impossible when Landau left the show. Wow. Landau <laughs> later headed for his own series, Space 1999, in 1975. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's tally up these scores. Daedra had 10 X's. <laughs> Grafen, you only had three for wow. someone who claimed to have not watched anything in a long time and been resting. <laughs> you did a fantastic I, I, job. Yeah. I also I would say t- that you had the harder questions most of the time. I would agree time. with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Grafen, we are going to send you a uh, LTN Radio sticker pack here. So we've got our Rise and Shine sticker sheet. We've got Ooh. a Jesus Loves You Nerds uh, brand new sticker here. We've got a brand new Love Thy Nerd Loves This Game for you to stick on whatever your favorite game is at home and an LTN Radio bumper sticker. All of these are brand new stickers and we'll ship awesome. them out to you and your family. Thank you so much for joining us, Griffin. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Good, fun. Game. Good, good game. Good game. <laughs> Good game. Thank you. Good game. All right. We are going to take one more break. And when we get back, it's our main topic, the movies of Star Trek. Love Thy Nerd emphasize intentional community. Join our Facebook group by searching Love Thy Nerd Community. 
And if you not only like us, but, you know, like us like us, you should join our Discord server at lovethynerd.com slash Discord. We've got game lobbies, focused chat channels, spoiler rooms, and a whole bunch of niche nerdiness. Bottom line, we want to hang out with you. Come join us. and shine nerds ltn's brand new morning show the world of professional wrestling is always in turmoil and that's one of the reasons the two words podcast exists john and radio matt share news and rumors in wwe aew and more share their own fantasy bookings and dive into decades of nostalgia nostalgia (laughs) Their new season kicked off this past Friday. Check the latest episode out of Two Words at lovethynerd.com slash two words or on your favorite podcast app. This week, we're taking a look at the legacy of Star Trek. Today, we're leaping into the big screen and taking a look at the movies. Now, there are Mm -hmm. a lot of these, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. 13 of these. So we're going to plow through this section. As fast as we can. We're going to start with the original series cast movies. It began with Star Trek The Motion Picture. The 23rd century, a Starfleet monitoring station, Epsilon 9, detects an alien entity hidden in a massive cloud of energy moving through space toward Earth. The cloud easily destroys three Klingon warships and Epsilon 9 on its course. On Earth, the Starship Enterprise is undergoing a major refit. Its former commanding officer, James T. Kirk, has been promoted to Admiral. Starfleet Command assigns Enterprise to intercept the cloud entity as the ship is the only one within range requiring its new systems to be tested in transit. Um, Kirk is on the ship when this call comes in, and he basically takes command, right. which the original <laughs> captain did not like. Uh, but that's that's how it went. That's how yeah, it goes. Yeah, yeah. I always thought that was funny. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> well, you know what? I'm a captain now. I know what to do better <laughs> than you. So This movie was slow. Yeah. Just the when they were going around the ship showcasing the refit, it was like five minutes of nothing. <laughs> the slow motion. Uh, someone worked really hard on that. On that mini, and they on that mini wanted, fig. They wanted to show it off. Yes. <laughs> it was it was a fine start to the movie franchise, but it wasn't a great movie. Yeah. It wasn't a great movie. Yeah. The movie had a troubled production with multiple script rewrites, budget overruns, and a tight deadline. The director, Robert Wise, was editing the film until the last minute, and he was not satisfied with the final cut. Hmm. The movie introduced new uniforms for the crew, which were drab, unisex, and uncomfortable. Many of the actors disliked them, especially Nichelle Nichols, who felt that they did not suit her character. The uniforms were changed in the subsequent films to be more colorful and distinctive again. Hmm. The movie featured some of the most advanced visual effects of the time and were nominated for an Academy Award. However, some of the effects were unfinished or flawed, such as the matte lines around the Enterprise and the Klingon ships. The movie had max- mixed reception from critics and fans who praised its visual spectacle, but criticized its slow pace and lack of character development. Some even nicknamed it the slow motion picture <laughs> or the motionless picture. Uh, however, the movie was a box office hit, grossing $139 million worldwide. So this led to the second film, the Star Trek film series, and a sequel to the original series episode, uh, Space Seed. This was um, 
the Wrath of Khan, Star Trek The Wrath of Khan. The plot features Admiral James T. Kirk and the crew of the Starship USS Enterprise facing off against the genetically engineered tyrant Khan Noonien Singh, uh, played by Ricardo Montalban. Uh, when Khan escapes from the 15-year exile to exact revenge on Kirk, the crew of the Enterprise must stop him from acquiring a powerful terraforming device named Genesis. The film is the beginning of a three-film story arc that continues with the film Star Trek III, The Search of Spock, and concludes with the film Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. In Search for Spock, after the death of Spock at the end of the second movie, mm-hmm. the crew of the USS Enterprise returns to Earth, where James T. Kirk learns that Spock's spirit, or Katra, is held in the mind of Dr. Leonard McCoy. Kirk and the company steal the decommissioned USS Enterprise to return Spock's body to his homeworld. The crew must also contend with hostile Klingons led by Krudge, Krudge, Krug, Krugie, <laughs> played by Christopher Lloyd, uh, who, uh, who are bent on stealing the secrets of the powerful terraforming device Genesis. And then finally, in Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, intent on returning home to Earth to face trial for their actions in the previous film, the former crew of the USS Enterprise finds a planet uh, in grave danger from an alien probe attempting to contact now-extinct humpbacked whales. The crew travel to Earth's past to find whales who can answer the probe's call. Whew. That's a three-movie arc there. Yeah. I liked this arc, mm-hmm. but mainly for the final movie. Yeah. I'd agree with Voyage that. Voyage Home was really fun. Mm-hmm. Traveling yeah, back in time. The only thing about the con. To early 90s. Con! Con! <laughs> um, shaking yes. the desk here. <laughs> well, he was shaking the screen when he did it. <laughs> uh, Search for Spock was yeah. all right. Mm-hmm. It was forgettable. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a reason why the the idea behind... Or not the idea, but there's a reason why there's like a saying that we don't talk about the odd number Star Trek movies. Because <laughs> for some reason, the odd number Star Trek movies are the bad ones. And the even ones are the good ones. That's just how it's been going this whole time. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> but I did like Voyage Home a lot. And I think it was fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. very environmental message, of course. And Yeah. Uh, but getting to go back in time. Maybe we did save the humpback whales because there's a bunch of them now. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> maybe it was their fault. Uh, here are some fun facts about the three movies. Uh, the actor who played Khan, Ricardo Montalban, had a hard time reprising his role from the original series Space Seed episode. Uh, he was busy with uh, his other famous role on Fantasy Island, and he had to fly back and forth between sets. He also had to wear a wig and a fake chest <laughs> so he mm-hmm. could look younger and stronger. I remember learning that. <laughs> yeah. Rather, Khan has a, had a budget of only $12 million, which was down from $44 million in the first movie. Wow. Uh, search for Spock's budget was even lower, which forced the filmmakers to reuse some sets and props from other movies and shows. For example, the Klingon Bird of Prey was originally a Romulan ship from the original series. Hmm. Star Trek IV used robotic whales instead of real ones because it was too difficult to film actual humpback whales. The whales were so realistic, though, that some activists criticized the movie for endangering them. (laughs) Uh, IV was the movie... uh, was nominated for four Academy Awards, including Best Cinematography, Best Original Score, Best Sound Editing, and Best Sound Mixing. It was the first Star Trek movie to receive an, any Oscar nominations. Wow. Uh, the movie was a huge box office success, grossing over $133 million worthwide. And it was the highest grossing Star Trek movie until the 2009 Star Trek reboot surpassed it. Wow. So, yeah. 
Four was really popular. Hmm. Then we have the final two Kirk era movies. Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, follows the crew of the USS Enterprise A as they confront renegade Vulcan Cybok, who is searching for God at the center of the galaxy. And Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, the destruction of the Klingon moon Praxis leads the Klingon Empire to pursue peace with the longtime, with their longtime adversary, the Federation. The crew of the Federation starship USS Enterprise must race against unseen conspirators with a militaristic agenda. Mm -hmm. The movie. <laughs> Both of these are kind of forgettable for me. Yeah. I remember... I remember, I think the sixth movie had the fan dance scene that Uhura did to distract uh, people while the rest of the crew snuck in a base or something. Okay. That's all I remember. <laughs> <laughs> like this is, Her I remember thinking, not, not even so much that I was like entertaining. I'm just like, this is really weird. <laughs> like, why is this still a thing in the future? Fan dancing? That's a future thing that people do? Maybe not, and that's why it distracted them. Maybe. They're like, like, what is this? <laughs> She's embarrassing herself. Uh, <laughs> Star Trek V was directed by William Shatner himself, who also came up with the original story idea. Hmm. Okay. Uh, he was inspired by the rise of televangelism in the 1980s and wanted to explore the concept of meeting God in outer space. Okay. The movie had troubled production with budget cuts, script changes, technical difficulties. One of the most notable problems was the failure of the Rockmen, animatronic creatures that were supposed to appear in the climax of the film. They looked so unconvincing that they were cut from the final version. Wow. Uh, five was widely regarded as the worst Star Trek film. Still is regarded as the worst Star Trek film. <laughs> Uh, Star Trek VI fared a little better, widely considered one of the best Star Trek movies. The movie was inspired by the end of the Cold War and the fall of the Berlin Wall and used the Klingons as a metaphor for the Soviet Union. The mm -hmm. title of the movie comes from the quote of Shakespeare's Hamlet, The Undiscovered Country, from whom's born no traveler returns. Let's move on to the TNG era, starting with Star Trek Generations, which was a passing of the torch from mm -hmm. Kirk to Picard. Mm -hmm. uh, the film begins in the 23rd. 23rd century, where Captain Kirk, Scotty, and Chekhov are guests on the new Enterprise B. They witness a mysterious energy ribbon called the Nexus, which traps two refugee ships inside. Kirk sacrifices himself to save the refugees and the Enterprise, but is presumed dead. Mm -hmm. film then shifts to the 24th century, where Captain Picard and the crew of the Enterprise-D are investigating a distress call from an observatory. They encounter a renegade scientist named Soren, who is obsessed with entering the Nexus himself. Soren has allied with the Klingons to destroy stars and planets in order to alter the course of the Nexus. Picard mm -hmm. learns that Soren was one of the refugees rescued by Kirk, and that he experienced a blissful state inside the Nexus that he wanted to return to. Picard tries to stop Soren from destroying a star system that contains millions of lives, but fails. He is transported into the Nexus himself, where he meets Kirk, who is still alive. Together, they leave the Nexus and confront Soren on a nearby planet. They manage to stop Soren's plan, but Kirk dies in the process. Picard buries Kirk and returns to his ship, where he resumes his duty as captain. Generations, what are your thoughts? I really liked the movie, and I loved that it was the two captains that mm -hmm. got to work together. Yeah. So this was the very first thing I ever saw of Star Trek. Okay. In my okay. very first meeting. I knew it was a movie. Mm -hmm. I couldn't remember which one. It was Generations. <laughs> I knew who Captain Kirk and Captain Picard were. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. Like I'd seen 
the characters, usually in magazines and stuff. Right. But I hadn't gotten into Star Trek yet. This was my first introduction to it. Saw it in theaters and everything. It was great. <laughs> and that's how I became a Trekkie. Uh, not a lot of people love this movie. It's not one of the most um, popular movies. It's an odd-numbered Star Trek movie. Hmm. But uh, most people at least see it as a necessity. Like, it's it's part of the story you have to watch. Like, hmm. you can't skip it. The film features the first appearance of the USS uh, Enterprise, D, Enterprise D's Captain's Yacht, a small auxiliary craft that is attached to the underside of the saucer portion. The yacht is named uh, Cousteau, after the famous French explorer and filmmaker Jacques Cousteau. Uh, like I said, reception was pretty split down the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, this brings us to the other three, though, TNG movies. Okay. Star Trek First Contact. In this film, the cybernetic Borg attempt to conquer Earth by preventing first contact between humans and the Vulcans, but their plans are thwarted by the crew of the USS Enterprise who follow them back to mid-21st century. Star Trek Insurrection, in the film, the crew of the USS Enterprise E rebels against Starfleet after they discover a conspiracy with a species known as the Sun-A to steal the peaceful Baku's planet for its rejuvenating properties. And then Star Trek Nemesis, uh, in this film, which is set in the 24th century, the crew of the USS Enterprise E are forced to deal with a threat to the United Federation of Planets from a clone of Captain Picard named Shinzon, who has taken control of the Romulan Star Empire in a coup d'etat. Coup d'etat? It's coup d'etat. Okay. Isn't it? Coup d'etat? Not coup d'etat. Anyway, (laughs) those three movies... First Contact is my It's favorite. so good. That's my favorite. It's my second favorite. <laughs> it's so good. It's such yeah. a good movie. I mean, it's got all the timey things. Best one of the, the next Borg. generation. I mean, mm-hmm. fun characters. It was real good. Yeah. Real, real good. I loved it so much. And we got to see uh, Jordy's eyes. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. <laughs> that weren't just white blobs. <laughs> we saw them as white blobs in the past. Yeah. Uh, insurrection, garbage fire. Yeah, <laughs> so not a fan bad. of that one. Not a fan. Very of bad, very bad movie. That's the one with the weird skin people. Right? That was the one. With yeah, the, yeah, the stretchy skin people. Yeah, mm, it was like gross. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Star Trek Nemesis. I I didn't hate it. Yeah. Well, and great. Yeah. I didn't hate it. It's all right. wasn't Wasn't terrible. Wasn't the, terrible. Yeah, the clone thing was kind of weird. Clone thing was weird. Yeah. Um, let's see here. First Contact is largely considered to be the best TNG era movie, uh, of course. Fun fact, the original script for the movie was called Star Trek Renaissance, and it took place during the Renaissance period, not mid-21st century. The Borg had their collective in a castle dungeon, and Data became Leonardo da Vinci's apprentice, which would later be used in Voyager. Okay. You know? uh, mm-hmm. However, this idea was scrapped because it felt too kitschy. Insurrection, mixed reviews. Uh, apparently, a lot of people didn't think it was terrible, but it was just very slow. Mm-hmm. Most considered it more like an extended episode of the show rather than being a movie-worthy storyline. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mm-hmm. movie featured a cameo by Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry's son, Rod Roddenberry. What a name. Oh. As a Sona officer. 
Nemesis got mostly negative reviews. It had a budget of $60 million. It only made $67 million back. Damn. It was the final movie uh, for the TNG series, and that was the plan going in. The farewell scene in Picard's ready room was so emotional that Stuart unintentionally started crying, and they had to reshoot it, <laughs> which is sad. <laughs> So let's move on to the reboot series now. Uh, they keep calling it a reboot. It's not really a reboot. It's a reboot-esque. <laughs> it's reboot in the fact that it's new char- new actors playing the characters. Right. But it's still one storyline. You know what I mean? Right. We're Reboots not, are yeah. like, we're going yeah. back and we're just starting it over. And that's kind of what happened here, but it's also not. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, well, we'll get into it. <laughs> Star Trek, the film follows James C. Kirk, played by Chris Pine now, and Spock, played by Zachary Quinto, aboard the USS Enterprise, fresh out of Starfleet Academy. They combat Nero, a Romulan from their future who threatens the United Federation of Planets. The story takes place in an alternate reality that features both an alternate birth location for James T. Kirk and the future alterations in history stemming from a time travel the time travel of both Nero and the original series Spock, Leonard Nimoy. Mm-hmm. The alternate reality was created in an attempt to free the film and the franchise from established continuity constraints while simultaneously preserving original story elements. So it's like that whole, um, like comic books, you know, they kind of do a reboot kind of thing. Well, in comic oh. books, they usually do a reboot by creating a... Yeah, I mean, a different universe. That's the multiverse thing that they do there. They're like, well, we want to tell a different story of Spider-Man. So this is the ultimate Spider-Man universe. Completely different universe. Yeah. Not bound by your current canon of, of, you know, Spider-Man in the original timeline. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they do that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Comics have to do that kind of thing because they have to tell so many different stories. Yeah. And keep their characters alive somehow. Well, look at all of, <laughs> look at all the different Star Trek stuff and all the different Yeah. Um so Star Trek wise, that's uh that's what they did here. They wanted to go back they wanted a reboot, but they didn't want to cancel out anything that happened in the past. Right. Um, so we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. Here's the other two movies. Star Trek Into Darkness, set in the 23rd century. The film follows Kirk and crew of the USS Enterprise as they are sent to the Klingon homeworld seeking a former Starfleet member turned terrorist, John Harrison, who, spoiler alert, turns out to be Khan Noonien Singh. Mm. So this is... People often compare this to The Wrath of Khan, but this is not The Wrath of Khan, and this is not that same story. Mm-hmm. This is something that wound up happening way earlier in Khan Noonien Singh's timeline. This is even kind of before Space Seed, the episode. Like, this is retelling Khan, uh, Khan's first, you know, appearance, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Star Trek Beyond, this film follows the adventures of Kirk and crew as they explore an uncharted space beyond the Federation where the ship, the USS Enterprise, is attacked and destroyed by a swarm of alien ships led by the ruthless Krall. They find themselves stranded on a hostile planet called Ultimid. Uh, With the help of a rebellious alien warrior named Jayla, they must reunite, recover an ancient uh, weapon called the Abranath, and stop Krall from unleashing a deadly threat that could destroy the Federation and its ideals. I don't right. remember that one. You don't remember it? It had the, like the, the lady that was like all white and had like black face paint. You remember her? Mm-mm. Maybe you never watched that movie. Did you never watch it? I watched I'm it. I'm wondering. I, I know I watched like 
the first two. Did it also have Chris Pine? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was the same 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 cast. I don't know. Maybe you didn't watch it. I don't it. know if I watched that one. Well, either way, uh, first movie. I really liked. I really liked. The first one, yeah. Second one was good. Uh, I didn't like that they, like, they killed off Vulcan, right? Completely destroyed Spock's story. That was in the first movie. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was, the, that was the, the catalyst. That was the reason. Yeah. That Nero came back because they had destroyed Romulus or had not prevented Romulus from being destroyed or something. Either way, Romulus was gone. And so he was coming back in time to destroy Vulcan. Vulcan. Like, and it was specifically, he had a, he had a beef with Spock, right? Yes, yes, yeah. Okay. It was Spock. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. It was, uh, Spock was on the, the, uh, a council or something with Romulans and like uh-huh. they were trying to reach some sort of agreement that because they didn't, it caused the destruction of Romulus. So some, some crazy stuff. So he blamed Spock entirely. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was about that. Yeah. Uh, and yep. so I thought that I thought that that was really cool because it was, again, what we're saying, it was preserving previous timelines. So it's like it's like in Endgame, in Avengers Endgame, when they're explaining time travel. It's mm-hmm. like how the Hulk said, mm-hmm. going to the past, changing something in the past doesn't change the future. It creates a new timeline. Gotcha. And so you can't change what's already happened in the past and that become your new future because you've already lived this. So everything that happened in Star Trek happened all the way up to past all the series to then there's the destruction of Romulus and Nero Mm -hmm. finds a way to go back in time. And that timeline continues. It's just going backwards now in a new form. And we're starting a brand new timeline where he shows up. And it splits off of the original timeline. So basically, we get to that point right before Nero shows up with the destruction, I believe, of the... Um, what was the ship? One of the ships. He destroys... The, it was the Kelvin. That's why it was. That's why it's called the Kelvin timeline. Mm-hmm. He destroys the Kelvin. That's the first thing he does when he first appears. And mm-hmm. that changes all these things about what we know about Star Trek lore. And that's the new timeline. And so the timeline in the Star Trek goes that way, this way, and that way. But it's still one timeline. <laughs> okay. That's how it goes. But the original timeline of Star Trek, prior, uh, after Nero leaves, that still continues on without any effect from Nero. That's how that works. So that original timeline continues on. None of the stuff happening in the Kelvin timeline affects the future either. That's how it works. All right. That's science. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it is. And just like sure you're <laughs> just like you're looking at me with that skepticism, a lot of people can't grasp it. And so a lot of people were getting upset at the changes to the original storyline mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Kirk and Spock. I mean, I see what you're telling me, but also he <laughs> destroyed Vulcan and But Vulcan's not destroyed in any of the future Star Trek stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's still there. But now when we like watch a movie <laughs> or watch a show, which timeline are we watching? Only Which the movies then? are in the Kelvin. There's no TV show that's that's in the Kelvin timeline as of yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Fun fact. Quinto, Zachary Quinto, had trouble doing the Vulcan salute. 
uh, which is the gesture, you know, with the finger split in the two pairs. Mm-hmm. He had to use glue to keep his fingers together <laughs> for some of the scenes. <laughs> there are some people that just can't do that. And that's really weird. I've never had a problem. Right. Doing that, that, that motion. They always do that. They do the die young and amount to nothing. One. <laughs> <laughs> Into Darkness was also well received, just a little less popular than the first. Uh, this is where we kind of break out of the odd number Star Trek movies being a problem. Yeah. Um, Into Darkness did introduce things that made no sense. These are the ones that are kind of like, okay, well, this can't be explained by time travel. Like... Khan has the uh, technology to transport himself across the universe. That's not a thing that happened back then that they could do. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, there was also a bit of uproar about the movie because they cast the very white Benedict Cumberbatch to play the role of the canonically Eurasian Khan. Oh. <laughs> it was McCart- Ricardo Montalban before, and now it's one of the whitest men in Hollywood. (laughs) And so people were kind of upset about that. And so that got a little bit of backlash and probably diminished its return a bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fun fact, the library bombed by John Harrison in Star Trek Into Darkness is the Kelvin Memorial Library, named after the USS Kelvin, which was destroyed in the early moments of Star Trek. Mm. Uh, Beyond was received about on par with Into Darkness. Some were critical that it was a lot slower paced. One reviewer called it... uh, Star Trek into drowsiness compared to the last fast-paced film. Uh, (laughs) The movie was released in 2016, which marked the 50th anniversary of the Star Trek TV series that started in in 1966. The fourth movie, a fourth movie with this storyline, has been teased and hinted at now for several years. There still doesn't seem to be any traction on it, Mm. but most involved insist it's still happening. Mm. The last movie we need to mention today (laughs) is one of uh, the best Star Trek movies, (laughs) but it's not a Star Trek movie. It's Galaxy Quest, starring Tim (laughs) Allen, Alan Rickman, Sam Rockwell, Sigourney Weaver, and a lot more. It was a love letter to Star Trek in so many ways. (laughs) Isn't it one of the best movies ever? Tell me I'm wrong. I I love it. It's such a good movie. (laughs) Okay. Uh, if this movie somehow escaped you, you need to find it and enjoy it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Even Patrick Stewart said this about the film. He said, I had not originally wanted to see Galaxy Quest because I heard that it was making fun of Star Trek. And then Jonathan, Jonathan Frakes rang me up and said, you must not miss this movie. See it on a Saturday night in a full theater. And I did. And of course, I found it was brilliant. Brilliant. Now, no one laughed louder or longer in the cinema than I did. But the idea that the ship was saved and all of our heroes in the movie were saved simply by the fact that there were fans who did understand the scientific principles on the ship worked uh, how the ship worked was absolutely wonderful. And it was both funny and also touching and that it paid tribute to the dedication of these fans. It really is. That was a love letter movie Yeah, to the fans of Star Trek. Yeah. I mean, how, how awesome would it be that, you know, you've been be playing real. this char- character. <laughs> yeah. And, Space, and then you find out it's real. You know that's cool. Need your help. By Grapthar's hammer. And I loved the whole. You know, what's your role on this ship with the female actor? You know, 
I repeat the computer. I have one job. It's stupid, but I'm going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) And then, of course, Guy, Sam Rockwell's Guy, being the one that gets killed off in one of the episodes, being essentially a red shirt, Uh terrified of dying the entire movie. Right, (laughs) right. We're doing, we're doing this episode. I died. <laughs> I died in episode 41. <laughs> and they had a rock monster. They did. Which they tried to have in Star Trek V and they didn't work out. I really wonder if that was. It's quite possible. I didn't know that. A tribute to yeah. that. Yeah. Very possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so tomorrow we are going to jump into new Trek that was kicked off with Star Trek Discovery. But for today, we are out of coffee. So we are out of here. But before we go, let's get our verse of the day. Today's verse is John three seventeen. For God did not send in his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. And with that, our Wednesday show is coming to a close. Thank you for joining us for Rise and Shine Nerds. We want to invite you to get behind the scenes by joining our LT and Discord community. Once you've joined at lovethynerd.com slash Discord, simply go to Channels and Roles and click on Rise and Shine Nerds, and that will give you access. You can help us plan shows and segments and even be on the show yourself on occasion. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app or through the Love Thy Nerd YouTube channel so you don't miss an episode. And tell us what you think of the show via our socials at rise and shine ltn on facebook and twitter once again i'm radio matt i'm daedra and as always a reminder jesus loves you nerds